Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. I saw a father saying goodbye to his child with a profound disability yesterday. It really is harrowing. It's so important that people who have a large following are aware of the impact they can have in the messaging that they put out. Lack of communication to their customers. It's terrible. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. If you ever wondered why it is that nothing that requires decisions at the highest level, actually happens quickly in this country. There's a prime example of it in your newspapers and on your morning news this morning. A prime, gold-plated example of why nothing ever works quickly. It may well work really well in the end, but it won't work quickly. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's glaring, writ large, in the story that's in your news this morning. I'll come back to it. Good morning. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Thank you to Paul for yesterday. I had an enjoyable trip up to Dublin. As you'll know, last year we were very privileged on this programme to win a Mental Health Media Award and we were delighted to win it for our coverage of the Onakura story, the ongoing coverage of the Onakura story. And last year we couldn't go to Dublin to collect the trophy, so they sent them out in the courier van and we couldn't do our official presentation and we couldn't have our nice celebratory lunch. So they invited us up to do that yesterday. And I went up and I was delighted to take the official photograph and all of that. But it was a nice day. And thank you to Paul for, for stepping in. It's a gorgeous morning out there. It's bitterly cold. Very, very, very cold. But it's a gorgeous morning. Absolutely beautiful. Cashless. Now, as I said, as I moved around Dublin yesterday, uh, you don't pay cash on the Lewis anymore, for example. You can, but you don't. You use your leap card. And Dublin is even more cashless than Cork is at this stage. I don't think I put my hand in my pocket for cash yesterday uh, as I was going around Dublin. But I could have if I wanted to in most places. Uh, the choice is what I'm 
always on about. You know yourself. But over the last couple of months, it is the rule now. If if unless I'm reading something wrongly, it is a rule that in a taxi now they must take cashless. They must accept your card as a condition of their license. So why aren't they doing it? Danielle, you were trying to get a taxi and you had a fairly um, difficult time because you had no cash in your pocket. You wanted to tap your card and you couldn't do it. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, Yeah, I suppose. Um, And I got refused twice. (laughs) What happened? So um, I went for lunch. I reckon Toker and um, got the bus in in less than 10 minutes. I was delighted with myself into the city and met my friend for lunch. I was doing a few bits and then went back up to the bus stop. And, you know, there outside Brown Thomas, there's the three or four bus stops or whatever. And I was waiting. And I said to the fellow next to me, um, do you know what time this bus is due to come? And he said, it says on the app, the Transport for Ireland, the real-time app, six minutes ago. So I said, okay. So he was like, I'd say you're safe enough if you wait here. And we waited for a minute or two. And then I looked at the app and it refreshed and it said due in 22 minutes. So I said, not a hope now. Am I standing here for 22 minutes? Um in the cold for this bus to arrive in the cold I was frozen so whatever way I looked I said I'm only going to talk her in my head I'm I'll just grab a cab so saw a taxi I'm directly opposite Penny's there by Dunn's on Mm. Patrick Street so ran over I had my phone and my card in my hand and I kind of flashed them at him and I knocked on the window he put down the window and I said hi do you take card I'm going to talk her and he just said nope put up the window and drove about half a foot away from me what? to be like, go away. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's the end of that. Um, So I was like, where am I going to get a taxi? Because he was the only one there. So I kept walking up Patrick Street and just before kind of uh, the blue McDonald's, I call it, um, there is a taxi queue there kind of opposite, let's say, Waterstones. Yeah. So um, there's a taxi there. So I said, great, frozen at this point. Um, so ran over to him and I said, hello, I'm going to Toker. Would you mind? Um, do you take card? And he said, no, I don't. Sorry. Um, put up the window and <laughs> just stared straight ahead as if I didn't exist. So I, at this stage, I was like, what am I going to do? And I started Googling, as you do, because yeah. I had heard, like you were saying, that it was implemented. Um, so anyway, got up to the fountain and I was like, this is madness. Found a taxi driver who was more than obliging, um, lovely, lovely man. Mm. And um, he was horrified. He basically said that, you know, they don't have the right to do that anymore. He yeah. said there's absolutely no reason for it. And he showed me his little machine. He's got one with the receipts. And he was like, look, the increases were brought in to stop that happening. You know, he was mm. like, you sh- you're more than entitled to use your cards, you know. But, um, and and then yeah. the, the machine he had in, in the car, I'm, I'm curious, was it one of these ones like you'd see on the counter in the shop or one, one of these little small handheld ones that was attached to his so phone? He, yeah, so it was actually, he said he paid a bit extra for this particular machine and it looked like kind of one of the ones in a shop. It was white and um, it can print out receipts and everything. And yeah. he was saying that he he gives people that option, you know, because he even asked me, he said, do you want the receipt? And I said, of course not. But I have been in a taxi before that you see the little smaller kind of box. And I think that works by Bluetooth or something. And you yeah. just kind of tap that. It, but he was saying phone, the money yeah. goes straight 
yeah he was saying the money goes straight into the bank account and everything like he said they're very straightforward so he was like I don't really understand like but he was living for me you know yeah. and he was saying that like you know he said especially two in the space of 20 minutes he was just kind of like I suppose he was gushing because he was saying it was giving other people a bad name when well, he know, takes cards you know I'm or, thinking more in terms Danielle of a young woman on her own at three in the morning trying to get a taxi yeah. home well, you know, I mean, rare, rare, you know? There, there is rare as hen's teeth anyway at three in the morning at the moment. But yeah. trying to get one and then saying, do you take card and you and being refused? Like, why are they still refusing? Yeah, and that actually happened to a friend of mine recently in Dublin after a concert. She was trying to um, get back to where she was staying. And it was only about a 15, 20 minute journey. Like, And um, yeah, she actually got refused, I think it was seven times. And when she actually did eventually take get one that took the card payment, um, he was tossing and he was shaking his head and everything, handing her the card machine. Mm. And like she was thinking, What well, this is madness, you know, like I'm still paying you, but she yeah. like, I know I know that some of them don't like uh, going through the apps. They don't like going through free now and they don't like going through Uber because they there's a percentage on, on from every trip goes to goes to the company. Yes. But, but at the same time, like, they get the money from your fare. Yeah, and I actually asked the guy in the end that took me back. Um, I said that to him. I said, like, do you get charged? And he said, I'm independent. I don't work from her base or anything like that. He was like, the money that you have just paid me goes straight into my bank account. He was like, you know, he said the, the machine was that little bit more expensive. But mm. he was like, with the increases, he said, it's balanced everything out for me. So he was like, that money has gone straight yeah. into my bank now. And I was like, OK, yeah. you know, I, I'm in the lucky position where I live that I don't need to take taxis or at least very infrequently. So I don't know what it costs at the moment. It's eye watering. I know that. Mm-hmm. What did it cost yeah, you, oh, well, did it cost you to get from town to work? Uh, seven euro. So it wasn't too bad. too bad. <laughs> That's not too yeah. bad. Like the bus, the bus in was one ninety. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, like I know with Ballincollig, like that's where I live, and like I know friends of mine recently have gotten taxis, kind of at, you know between kind of midnight and two in the morning, and spend anywhere from fifty to sixty euros. Yeah. You know, that's that's um, demented. Uh, g- particularly given that the two twenty goes to Ballincollig for one thirty five on leap yeah. card. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's scary. And if you're factoring that into your night out, a night out is going to cost you three hundred quid. Stop. Don't even go <laughs> you know? there. But you, would, oh, yeah. oh, it took you three attempts to get a taxi. Two of them just completely refused to even discuss card and actually closed the window on you and drove off. Yeah. All right, Danielle. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Why is that? It's a condition now that you must be able to take card, you must be willing to take card and as the driver who eventually did take Danielle back to her work, her place of work, said that there was an increase brought in recently by the by the regulator to cover the cost of, of taking card whatever cost is involved so is there anybody driving a taxi right now, I, I don't mind I won't fight with you, I won't fight with you is there anybody driving a taxi right now in the city who's willing to explain to me why you're not taking card. I genuinely want to know. I'm all about the choice, but you also are taking a choice of somebody. I want the choice of cash or card for something small, like a taxi ride or a cup of coffee at a sticky bun or a point, whatever. Um, I, I, I definitely would like to know why. 
Come back to this, actually. I'll come back to this after the break. Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning sports show. Right, right here, right then. The score on Cork's 96FM. Join me, Trevor Welch, Sundays from 2 for the best music mix and all the latest sport as we focus on another weekend of Gaelic Games action and reaction to the World Cup quarterfinals. Right here, right then. Join Trevor Welch for the score this Sunday from 2 p.m. On Cork's 96 FM. Jamie's driving a taxi. I'll get to you in about 30 seconds, Jamie. So hold on for me. Thank you. On WhatsApp, my heart goes out to Danielle. But I have another side to the story. My payment company hasn't paid me for three weeks. And that's how it is for a lot of drivers. One month, it's one company or another company that just doesn't pay. I don't actually refuse anyone especially a woman, I just couldn't. But when I take cashless, I have to work longer in order to make enough cash to literally feed my family. It's hard to fiddle tax with cash, by the way, because of the meter. It's possible, but if you put put a foot wrong, you're cruising for a bruising. Jamie, you are a taxi driver. Do you take cash or take card? Morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I do take card. I take whatever people want to pay. If they want to pay with Revolut, I can do that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that text message you got, that driver, I'd recommend him move to sum up. Yeah. Sum up, you get paid. Like, you have two options with sum up. You can either have the money go into your bank account, or else you can actually get a prepaid MasterCard. And it goes on to that. Everything from 12 a.m. to 12 a.m. Mm. goes in goes on to your card for an extent at yeah. 2pm yeah. Yeah. and you have full access to that cash then if you want to transfer to your bank account you can yeah you know it's a, Take, taking the rev is a good plan too Jamie I mean rev is instant as well yeah revolution yeah it can be it can be a, a bit of a pain at times like um, people trying to connect and all this kind of stuff but uh, it is an option out there yeah so, so why do you think some people are having such a problem moving to cashless? Like you said a minute ago there about the tax, man. I used to think that, that was the reason. But if that's the case, then drivers aren't making any money because 70% of people are paying now with cars. Um, maybe you have some cowboy drivers out there who will try to get the extra work out of you by bringing you to an ATM mm. and back, back to your destination. But again, that should be on the driver's back, not the customer's. Because he's driving illegally if he if he refuses to accept card. Yeah, your your advice was when you get into a cab, sit in the back and talk nothing about payment until you get to the end. Yeah, and I'm saying that to almost every second customer because I hear it every day, and I'm telling every every person who says it to me, saying nothing. Do not ask the driver. Do you do you take card? Every driver by law has to take card. Mm. So just get into the car, say where you want to go. If you're asked, are you paying with cash or card? Say cash. Right. When you when you get there, just oh, I thought I had cash. Sorry, I had to pay with card. Right. And if the driver then says, okay, you have to go to an ATM, make sure it's on his clock that you're not getting charged for the distance to the ATM and back. I see. I because see. it's his responsibility to, or her responsibility to take card. Yeah. And just clarify that for a second, Jamie. I am right there. It, it is law now. You must take card. Yep, a hundred percent. And like even with is it a condition about, of your license? Uh, it is. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yep, and that part that I was saying about uh, 
have making sure that you don't pay for the journey to the ATM and back to your destination. Mm. If the driver threatens to call the guardie, encourage him to call the guardie. He's the one who's breaking the law. He can't charge you for that. That's his mistake. Right. Well, he shouldn't, but by what you're telling me, Jamie, he shouldn't even be driving the car if he's not willing nope. to take to take a, a card. No, he shouldn't. Yeah. It's the same. Like It's like me you now. I have a roof sign up my car right now. I can't take any customer because I have to change the glass. I am, I'm changing my car and I can't have tint in the glass. Now, I could have taken a chance last night and I could have went to work. But I was refused my license yesterday. So Sorry, you've tinted, have, you've tinted glass. glass. You've tinted glass in your car. There's a, yeah, there's a small tint in the glass which is uh, not allowed. It has to be completely clear glass. Okay. So okay. I had a bit of misinformation. Like, I knew about this, but I had a bit of misinformation uh, considering my car. So when I went for my test yesterday, uh, it was refused. Okay. So I'm actually now outside Cogan's. I'm about to get the glass on the back doors changed. Jeez, that's going to cost and you, man. That's going to cost you. Uh, it's not. It's not there looking after me because I had asked I had asked if, I, um, okay. if they would change the glass when I bought it and they told me they didn't have issues. But what they didn't realise is that the drivers were actually changing it themselves. So here's the thing, Jimmy. This is new now. So some cars come from the factory with a little bit of a tint in the glass. If yep. you want to drive those as a taxi, you've got to take that glass out and put in clear glass. Yep, and that's another expense that taxi drivers are caught for because 90%, probably 80 or 90% of the cars that come out of the factory now have a bit of a tint. Yes, so they do. So that's another cost that we have to absorb. Apart from Nelson, it's very handy on a morning like this with the flipping sun is low in the sky. Yeah, well, it makes no difference to the driver because <laughs> the, the front always has to be clear. Sure. Sure. Wow. But it, it is a pain. <laughs> yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. Didn't know that. The, the licensing rules are getting far stricter. All yeah, right, Jamie. So, so your, your advice in this Christmas party season is sit into the cab and don't discuss payment until you reach your destination, or if they ask you paying cash or card, say cash, and then look at the meter and say, oh, just only have a fiver, or you only have a tenner, I'll have to give you a card. Or I change my mind. <laughs> You're entitled to do that as well. Absolutely, you are. <laughs> All right, okay. They, legal, they legally must take card. That's the law, and that's, that's absolute. Now, that's clarified by a taxi driver. Thank you, Jamie. Appreciate the call. It is a legal requirement of your licence as a taxi driver now to take card. Andrew, you had an experience with cashless and card in London in the last couple of days. Can you give me about 30 seconds? Yep. All right, cheers, man. Just to remind people that we're coming to the business end of the Christmas season now, so you need to be doing your Christmas jumper days with Cork Simon. You can get your pack at corksimon.ie and then help us fight homelessness in Cork in association with Simon and Cork's 96FM. You can do it any way you want, at home, at work, at school, online, because nobody wants any child to be homeless on Christmas Day and Cork Simon's Christmas Jumper Day, making a huge effort to avoid that this Christmas. corksimon.ie for your pack. Right now, you were taking, I've taken it myself, Andrew, you were taking the Stansted Express. You were doing a gig in London. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Um, that's correct. Yeah, I was doing a gig in London uh, Tuesday. Um, so um, when the gig was finished, I decided to um, get the Stansted Express back out to um, Stansted from Liverpool Street. Yeah. Now, all day, we were using the just the bank cards just to tap in on a bus or tap into the tubes. 
Um, and then when you get out at your destination, you just tap back out with yes. your bank card. Yes. So tapped in at Liverpool Street, and when we got out at Stansted, um, we were told that you can't tap out. There was no terminals for to tap out, and was fined forty one pound sterling for doing so. Um, you can't so tap we, out. We, hmm? No, there's not actually. There's not actually. Um, we say where you tap in in Liverpool Street just to go through the. We said the, the turnstile. Yes. As whatever it is, and um, that's where you tap on is if you were tapping your Oyster card or a, a yes. train ticket. Yes. Yes. So when you get to Stansted, there that comes in under the, under the airport. That's uh, Stansted Express, and there is no facility to tap out. Um, so aside from a friend, we were both fined forty-one euro, and actually there was a person at the side of us as well. Uh, they were fined forty-one what, as well. Who, who fined? So in the space of, sorry, who fined you? It was the Stansted authorities, and we just asked. We said um, it doesn't say it in Liverpool Street, and then he produced an A4 paper with a picture where it says it in the um, in Liverpool Street. No, PJ, the the A4 piece of paper was bigger than the signs themselves, you know. So it is really a revenue-generating uh, exercise. You, you, So you have to um, pay cash on the outbound Stansted Express? You don't have to pay cash. What you can do is just you can get your train ticket out there. Okay. But what I'm saying is you can't use your bank tap card in, tap when out. you get out. Yeah, we don't have tap, tap out. In. There is no office. We don't have tap in, tap out in Cork yet. So just to explain to people, no. you start your journey by tapping and then at the end you tap again and that... Yes. That takes your payment. They have that in Dublin as well, mm. on the Leap, as I discovered yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's not here in Cork yet, uh, in, in, any, in any way, shape or form. All right. That, that, that's mad. So you got caught for 41, 40 pounds sterling. Wow. 41 sterling. That's that's absolutely crazy, Andrew. Mad. Yeah, I'd just like to make what, people that come caught that are going over there for Christmas, you know, just to wear that. That's or anywhere. Absolutely. You'll, you'll be caught for, by, by an actual ticket in Liverpool Street. Buy the ticket when you're at Liverpool, Liverpool Street Station or whatever station you get on yeah. to. Well, it's Liverpool Street is, that yeah, you yeah. get the uh, Stansted Express. That's an, that's an interesting... But you can tap in, tap out the other way. Sorry? You can tap in, tap out the other way, can you? If you're going if from, you're coming from to Liverpool Street. I actually, we got the, the bus in. Oh, you got the bus in, so you don't know. So, all right, okay. Well, that, that, we don't that, know. That's all right. That's gassed. And we're stuck for three hours in London traffic on the bus. Mad. Come here to me, I have one question to ask you. Would you ever put mm. up a recording of some kind, Andrew Carroll, of how you managed to drop a madness tune into a house music set? Because I'm trying to figure it out myself how you did it. <laughs> I have the link. I have the link. Oh, do uh, I need to see that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll send you the link and I'll send you the time that it's dropped that. You do. Actually, it was... It was, I think it was actually in the middle of a set, so that's what it was like. <laughs> Deadly, uh, Andrew. All right, listen, so, good. Thanks, uh, thanks a lot, mate, for that. Andrew Carroll, by the way, is, whether you know it or not, one of the finest vinyl DJs left. Um, there's very few guys using pure vinyl uh, still. But Andrew is using pure vinyl, and he does magnificent mixes, and he managed to drop into a house music set. He managed to drop an old Madness song, and I, li- I, I need to hear how he did it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Thanks, Andrew. Our friends from the Everyman back with us again uh, to celebrate the opening of Cinderella. Opened last weekend, runs until the fifteenth of January. Every day this week, teaming up with one of our great local restaurants to give two families 
a fabulous evening out on the 29th of December. Today we're with Thompsons. The Everman and Thompsons have teamed up to give two lucky families a festive treat. You'll have a pre-show meal for four people and then off to the Everyman to see Cinderella on Thursday, 29th December. More details about the Panto and you can book tickets at everymancork.com. But you might win your way there this morning. You're waiting for this again. Now, not just now. Not just now, I'll tell you when and I'll tell you what to do. But you're waiting for the next time you hear this. But you see, I have the other slipper. So be a geishtucht, be listening out for that during the morning. Next time you hear it, all right? But you see, I have the other slipper. Then I'll tell you what to do. 0818 96 96 96. Talking about shopping local and buying local products as often as you possibly can. And local sweets and local chocolate and local goodies Shandon Sweets, Tony. Hello, PJ. How are you keeping? Great altogether. You are still selling chocolate cups by the trailer load. They're an old favourite. <laughs> I am, PJ. And at this time of the year, I'm actually going to be dreaming about them. We are just absolutely going through thousands of them at the moment. Thousands of them. Are they your own invention or where do they come uh, from? It would be my grandfather, PJ. My grandfather would have came up with them way back in the 40s, 50s. Mm. As well as making boiled sweets, they were basically just another angle to come at. And that was it. He just started making chocolate cups, a wafer cone, and they took off. And Christmas time is just ridiculous for them. Absolutely ridiculous, PJ. Brilliant. They're fantastic and, and uniquely Cork. Clove Rock, another big favourite. A lovely, a lovely sweet in the winter time. They are, PJ, and in fairness, they go all year round. They really do. They're an acquired taste, but they're just a, a, a Cork favourite, as you say, whether it's the colour, whether it's the flavour or whatever, but the Clove Rock is what we're synonymous for. We just, we're known all over Ireland just for our Clove Rock alone, PJ. Mm, they're like a little pebble in the last half the day. The gorgeous. Yeah. They really are. <laughs> like, you get your value out of a bag of Clove Rock. You get the full day you and, <laughs> you know. You would, PJ. And I've often popped into a taxi myself and I've looked between the seats of the taxi and I'd often see a little tub of my Clove Rocks or whatever. Fantastic. And it, it just makes me... I see it. It's just you know, it's just amusing to see it. Your product in some people's cars. So, so yeah. Yeah. Are, are you flat out? So you are. You're doing Christmas boxes and hampers and stuff. I am PJ with the online shop now with my own shop here and whatever else. It's absolutely bananas at the moment. It's practically at the moment back to pre pandemic levels with us at the moment. PJ, it's that good. Isn't that fantastic? T- t- tell me more about the online. Where can we find that? What's the, the, the yeah. Sweets.com. Just go onto our website and right. we've got a shop, an online shop. We've got a lot of Christmas specials on it. Hampers to suit every budget, whether it's a small budget, a big budget, PJ. Yeah. We've got everything to suit everyone, whether you like sweets, fudges, marshmallows, honeycombs, whatever. I'm sure it'll be something there do, for everyone. Do, do you do the, and it's like, it's 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 the devil's own course. Do you do, you do the chocolate coated uh, honeycomb? I do. I That's do, the definitely. devil's own curse. You know that, don't you? <laughs> my my it, dentist, my dentist yeah. looks at me in the disapproving look and said, "You were at the Shannon Sweets again, weren't you?" <laughs> yeah, it's it's unbelievable that just took off 
a life of its own when I started chocolate coating it. It was unbelievable the way it took off. Pizza. What's the story with that, Tony? I mean, everyone knows what a crunchy bar is, but but it's yeah. it's like a lump of crunchy. That's like a small little rock. That's what they are, little nuggets of honeycomb. And I just chocolate coat them, put a good layer of chocolate on them or whatever. And since I did it, it just, oh, my God, oh, my God. I think I created a monster. Oh, you're an evil yeah. man. You're an evil man. You're... <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I, Tony, I, I have to sneak it into the house. I have to. I, have to... <laughs> I know, I know, Fiji. It's your secret. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, look, adv- advising anyone, to, and in terms of... Yeah. Costs like costs of materials, like costs of sugar, transport of materials. Is is that affecting you? It's huge, PJ, at the moment. It's frightening the way stuff has gone up at the moment. And you get no warning. It's like your inbox and you look at it and you go, There's an increase in this, there's an increase in that. There's nobody gives you any warning for it. Sugar and glucose yeah. are my two biggest commodities, and they both went up over 60 to 70% in what? the last six months. Yeah, yeah. Good sugar, Lord. I, yeah, sugar is ridiculous. I get my sugar from Austria, and it's gone through the roof. It's shipping costs more than the manufacturing cost, PJ. Mm. It's the shipping cost bring it in. Wouldn't it, wouldn't, wouldn't it really annoy the hell out of you as a Corkman to know that we yeah. used to make sugar 20 minutes up yeah. the road by the ton? Unbelievable unbelievable down in Mallow and every time I pass it on the train when I'm going to wherever I look at that factory and I go God some guy he just got his sums wrong and they closed it it was ridiculous PJ absolutely ridiculous that we had sugar beet fields Mm. on every door and now we've nothing yeah, and, and we, we give the sugar beet away as waste. Like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Tony, it's I, I, and of course, you also had the coming back from a fire to contend with. We did, PGA 2019, got us a distant memory. Now it's three, what is it, three, four years ago. It, yeah, it was just a rough time, PJ. Then we went into the pandemic, which was a year later after we opened. So it's been two and a half years. Mm. So this year, Christmas is the first normal one we'll have in four years and already it's looking like one of the best ones yet, PJ, so hopefully. All right, well, listen, I'm absolutely delighted to to know that things are going so well. ShandonSweets.com is the online and the shop is open above the factory. It is indeed, every day, even Saturdays, PJ. All right, good man. Tony, thank you very much. Tony from Shandon Sweets on on Shandon Street, by local. The Glove Rock, if you've not... If you're new to Cork, there are thousands of people new to Cork. Try Clove Rock. It's it's completely different. And the chocolate cups, try them. You won't have a tooth left in your head after Clove Rock or or um the chocolate coated honeycomb, but sure, who cares? It's Christmas. Oh yeah, and I know he's listening to me now down in the dental surgery. Eric, I'm sorry, mate. You know what? You'll be repairing the damage in the new year. You'd know you will. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Where am I going with this one? Uh, yeah, William says I agree. A taxi driver should accept cards. That's a very good conversation. Thank you, William. William Healy. It, there's no should about it. They're required by law to accept a card. If they're refusing a card right now, this Jamie made this very clear a while ago. It is illegal now for a driver to refuse a card. Um, And William says, by the way, why I rang was that price of fuel has dropped, but the price of electricity has not dropped. 
we, the Irish people, own 90% of ESB. The regulator says they've no control over prices in this respect anyway. They were fast to put the prices up. They're making huge profits now. Why haven't they dropped prices? Yeah, and you'll have seen that the wholesale price of gas is gone down and the price of the barrel of oil is gone down. And yes, the electricity is still costing a fortune. And the price of wind never changed. Yeah, it, it, it is the price of fuel, the price of energy, the price of electricity in this country at the moment is a national scandal. Now, we are getting the, the credit. I got credit. I got my first of my three credits, landed on my electricity bill last month. And I may tell you, cut a fine chunk out of it. I was very grateful for that credit. Very grateful. And I look forward to my next one and the one after that. And it did. It knocked a huge chunk off my electricity bill, and I was delighted with it. Um, But the price shouldn't be that high anyway, with the way that wholesale prices are coming down on the market. Uh, Now, I'm almost afraid of what will happen to the gas bill, heating the house for the next eight to ten days, but you win on the swings and you lose on the roundabouts in Ireland. Which reminds me, I will tell you what that story, it's a story in the news today, it's in the newspapers, haven't heard it on the radio, but I'm assuming it is, there's a story in the newspapers today, which is an illustration, if you needed one, of just why nothing happens quickly in this country. Nothing happened. It might happen very well in the end. Like I was telling you last week, how brilliant it is now renewing your driver's license. If you happen to have a public service card, which I do, I renewed my driver's license in three minutes flat. Literally three minutes flat. And I got it in the post the other morning. That works really well. But to get to that point, it can be a disaster. I'll tell you about that story later in the morning. 0818 96 96 96. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96 FM. An evening of Christmas music will take place at the Lock Church on Tuesday, the 20th of December at 8 pm. Cork Hushowen, a Cork City based choir, will be joined by Cork soprano Gemma Magner and the children of Cork Skullverita Eglantine. A night of festive favourites. The concert will be in aid of St. Vincent de Paul Cork. And you can buy tickets at eventbrite.com or at the door on the night. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With corksimon.ie. Because everyone who calls Cork home should have one. Corks 96fm. I was only driving around the other night and I was noticing that there aren't as many Christmas lights up just yet. Or maybe it's very early, maybe people will get a load more of them up this weekend but I've just noticed people are slower to get the lights on this year maybe it's all down to the cost of of energy but Con Luxford will you be doing your usual display this year morning sir good morning PJ how are we doing very Very well sir yes we have it up and running and all for the people on behalf of Penny Dinners for Katrina Toomey that needs all the help that she can get Fantastic, fantastic. Now remind us again where it is and why you started doing it, Con. Well, we started doing it five years ago on behalf of my daughter. My daughter used to be always involved in the lights. And she used to always say, Dad, come on, we get down the lights. Mom, come on, we get down the lights. And I'd go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And 
that's the way it always was. And my, we lost our daughter nearly five years ago. It was five years in January. Okay. And, um, Sorry to hear that, mate. It's still as hard today as it was, Tim. So there's no difference. If she's gone and yeah. we're, at, we're at a loss for her. Yeah. But she always had something in our head about penny dinners. And she always wanted us to do something for her. Okay. And that's the way we contribute now to the Her name was Katrina too, wasn't it? Yeah, her name was Katrina as well, yeah. Well, yeah. So, so you do the lights for her? We do the lights on behalf of her now. Uh, well, just my son, Jason, and his friend, they do all the work now. We do the supervising and the manager is the next door. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Now, is it getting more, like, is, are, you, are you afraid of the electricity bill? Um... <laughs> Yes, yes, we are going to be afraid of electricity bill. We're going to actually, that's the reason why we don't know. We said we tried this year again and providing the DSB bill stays down, we will keep doing it. If not, we'll have to revise it, the whole lot of it again and see where do we go from here. But uh, with the people of Cork City there, that gives so much help and so much contribute to Penny Dillers. Every percent that we get in the box outside on the wall goes into Katrina Tomey uh, on the, around the 10th of January. We'll keep, them, we'll keep them open until the 6th of January. Right. We'll keep the lights going until the 6th of January. And, and no, when are they on? Are they on every night, Connor, specific nights? They're, no, they're on every night from about half past four, quarter to five, depending on how dark it gets. And then around that time, they'll be on until around half past twelve, maybe one o'clock. Okay. Sometimes it might be about half past eleven. Right. But, uh, is that dependent on what time you feel like going to bed? I, I have you to go. <laughs> are, they, are they on? Are they on remotes or timers, or have you to go around plugging them all out? Oh, we have we have we have three timers, and we have to set them. Yeah. And once we set them, then everything works away. Yeah. And as you, I don't know whether you actually seen the photographs of the house. I haven't seen this yeah. year's ones yet. No, I saw them before though. The the previous ones are brilliant. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's yeah. really gorgeous. Well, uh, there's a bigger display now this year again, with the roof out being done in all now this year. And um, we're hoping to raise a lot more money for Katrina, so that uh, every penny that she'll get will make it easier for them to do what she has to do on behalf of my Katrina. Fantastic, fantastic. Come here, tell me, remind me again, or remind people who've not seen it, where, how, how they'll find the house, whereabouts will they find the house? Like, do you have your air code to hand so people can put it into their sat, into the modern world now? Do you have your air code? I, I don't, PJ. Oh, that's all right, that's all right. That's all right. Whereabouts are you, so? It's very easy to find it because all you have to do is come up from the, lo- the crib in the lock yes. and just come up a past super value and just pass on super value. It's just there on the right hand side. You can't miss oh. it. I know it well, but other people mightn't, yeah. <laughs> it stands out. I'm, it I'm afraid that I get a phone call there every night off a cock airport. We never turn off the lights and we get them planes. <laughs> sure, poor old Santa, you got distracted, one year. He thought he was gone wrong. He thought he was going back to North Pole. <laughs> We have to have a bit of fun as well. As we do, we do. And and you provide great joy to the people around there every year. And it's out, it's from your own sadness comes that joy, Con, and that's 
That's well, so kind I, of you. You know, I can tell you know with the amount of people that comes up to have a look at them lights and to see the, the smile on the children's faces, it's worth every penny to have them lights open and on for them. Right. We love to see the smile on their faces, and yeah. uh, we love doing it as well as they can. Well, long long may it last, and he's hoping that the old electricity bill won't be too high. But can I tell you something in terms of getting tired late at night about him? If you've not invested in before, in before now, remote control plugs are a game changer. Yeah, indeed, PJ. Con cheers, man. The great con looks for the beautiful, beautiful display up there near the lock, all in aid of the penny dinners. And from their sadness comes happiness and joy for their neighbourhood, which is a lovely thing to see. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Mine with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. A follow on there from Andrew in the first hour. Andrew was saying he was over in London. Quick visit last Tuesday for a gig. And when he got the... Stansted Express train back from Liverpool Street to Stansted Airport as I imagine loads and loads of Irish and Cork people in particular will do over the next few weeks it's it's worth knowing you need to buy a ticket in Liverpool Street Station otherwise if you try and do it cashlessly you end up getting fined £40 because they don't do it Someone was on, Johnny was on actually from a UK number he said on the Stansted Express you're clearly told that contactless payment is not allowed to the airport. There are announcements. Stansted's quite a bit out from London, about 40 minutes out from London. Now, part of me thinks that Andrew and his friends should have inquired first. Maybe it should be clearer. It's also announced on the trains, but thinking about it too, a lot of people wear ear pods, don't they? Yeah, Transport for London need to maybe look in at that, John, Johnny. One thing I will say, having been in, in Dublin yesterday and experienced their tap-on, tap-off system for the first time uh, that I used the Lewis, it's a bit confusing until you get to know what they're at. So, so you could get caught. And that's Andrew and his mates were, were caught that way, having used tap-on, tap-off all over the public transport system, then to find the very last leg of their journey. They can't use it. But uh, the point is noted. Thank you, Johnny. 0818 96 96 96. Actually, speaking of airports, a caller was on the phone saying, just a heads up for people going over to the UK, rail strikes are going ahead. Rail strikes? Rail strikes? <laughs> I'll give you a list in a minute. Uh, rail strikes are going ahead, so people might need to be sure they can get from airports into London or out of London to the airport if needs to be. And that is a fair point. Fair point, which I'll come back to. There's a list of strikes in, in the UK over the next couple of weeks would make your eye water. But I want to go to some good news. First of all, this hour, the kids from Peg Sayers, Grailskull Peg Sayers, decided to do something special for the homeless support group Street Angels. Now, I was talking to their teacher a few weeks back and the, about the idea. How did it go, Evan, afterwards? Good morning again. Good morning, PJ. Do you know what? It actually went great. It was much, much better than we expected. Good. We started it off, it off last year and it was something small. And this year has just grew immensely. We're delighted. Mm. How, what did they put into the packs? 
they put in like toiletries, canned food. They put in a few toys, a few nice little presents for a few kids at Christmas. Just things that, are, that people have necessities that they need, you know, just goods and a few bits that we put in a little letter. We put in a few little cute things as well that people just might get a smile from this Christmas, you know. Like what? We put in, each child wrote a letter, each child put in a toy of their own, and um, as I was saying, colouring books, things like that. Mm. Do you know, just to give people that warmth that we all want to feel at Christmas time. Right. How many packs did you put together? Oh my God, I couldn't give you a number. There was so, so much. And my classroom was bursting. Right, fantastic. And yeah. where, did yeah. the, where did the Street Angels idea come from again? I know you told me before. So last year, my, my class, I taught fourth class last year, there was a group of 18 of them, and they just actually came to me and decided they wanted to do something for people who were less fortunate at Christmas time. So I researched online, and actually I came on Facebook across the street angels, and I mentioned it to the kids last year, and they just ran with the idea. Really, this year, although like I'd be their teacher, this year it was them really that, you know, we're, we're at the head of this. Yeah. They really got behind it, and we went from just one class to an entire school helping out. Isn't it amazing, so it was amazing. How, young, how young kids, isn't it? amazing how they pick up on something like what the street angels are doing it's amazing like as i said i know i'm their teacher but i learn more from them every single day yeah like when you, you know? brought up the did, did did they know who the who the angels were or did you sit down and tell them no they weren't aware of the street angels themselves i just thought that they were looking for somebody like them they hadn't heard of the street angels themselves but i sat and told them and the minute i told them about it they just jumped on the idea they were delighted to help out and they wanted to help out in any way they could yeah, I see. I see. So, had they been had the packs been passed on and distributed, or will they? be? They have. Yeah, no, they have. So Hazel herself from the street angels popped up, and she got to meet with the children. And the children spoke to her, and they got to actually hand them over themselves. They were delighted to meet her and actually hear about you know what really is happening on the streets of Cork City. You know. Do you know? Isn't it really when we think about it too, Evan? And and I don't know, how long are you teaching, fella? I'm teaching in Peg Series now about two years. Okay. I, I would think that teaching and schooling has changed a lot. And that, yes, there's books to be covered, there's spellings to be learnt, there's sums to be done, there's reading, there's all sorts of things. But sitting mm-hmm. down at a table with kids and just talking in their language about the realities of life, that's the best exactly. kind of education you exactly. give any child. Exactly. Like really up here in Grayskull Fag series, we are about the curriculum and of course we want all the kids to do amazing in their tests with their with their academic schooling. But here in Grayskull Fag series, we really want all the boys and girls to know that come here to find a safe space here and to learn about who they are as people and as individuals and to learn that they can give something to the world. You know, as I said, we do care about the results. Of course, of course we want them to do well in academia, but we also want them to be well rounded, positive, you know, people going forward in life. Okay, Hazel's there now actually Evan stay there Hazel from Street Angels you were blown away by the response in the in the school were you good morning oh this I I tell you it doesn't take a lot to make me gobsmack but the generosity was just outstanding Mm. from the whole school it was just absolutely amazing so you've, you've collected the packs I have collected the bags. I've even given out some of the food parcels already, making put together and giving it to people already. And as I speak to you now, I'm down in Skullgubnish and in Mallow, getting a van load of stuff donated. It's fantastic. From the kids in and school. <laughs> Loads of schools coming on board then with Loads you. of schools. And you know, it's amazing because when you actually see, um, when I show them the pictures 
of the kind of work I do and who turns up. And I, I tell him to come get your teacher, bring him down, let him see him firsthand, you know, where all their parcels and all their generosity is going. Yeah, I was saying it to, there to Evan, you know, c- kids are so receptive to the realities. Oh, yes, and you know, this in itself is an education to let them see how privileged they are to have what they have. Even one child said to Marie that, um, you know, that I can go home to my warm bed, mm. but these people can't, you know, and their hats and their scarves and all their little treats. They love their treats. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah. A, it's fantastic to see the children of Cork rallying around. Evan, I'll let you get back to class. You're a busy man. And tell, him, <laughs> tell, him, tell everybody thanks very much. Do you want to have a quick word with Hazel there before she goes? Do you know what? I just want to say, Hazel, Hazel your work is amazing and thanks for everything. All right, okay. Um, stay with me for a moment or two, Hazel. Thank you, Evan, and happy Christmas to everybody up in Gelskull. Fegs here. Hazel, these cold, cold, cold nights ahead must be very worrying. Very, very worrying. And I'm actually... Um, a gentleman heard it on the radio yesterday, and I was on my way home from the city after meeting two or three. I gave him gross scarves sleeping bags yesterday evening mm. and one guy met me on the Commons Road just to give me three sleeping bags mm-hmm. because the sleeping bags are very low and um, my tents and if they could get the tents that to have the pegs mm-hmm. and a fly cover they will keep the water out. Mm. Have you enough of, this is a simple thing Hazel have you enough of woolly hats to give out to people? Um, well, um, you can never have enough, but, yeah. um, like, I give out two boxes of hats, scarves, and gloves. Yeah. yeah. The wool- the woolly, and woolly, hats, woolly hats are a game changer on, 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 in weather like this. Yeah, and you know the hand warmers yes. that you can buy in deals or something that goes into the gloves? They keep their hands warm. Okay. No. If somebody wants to that. wants to help you out, where where are you setting up in the next couple of days? Because we've got a very 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 cold weekend ahead. We have well, um, I can um, if they want to. If you want to give out my number, it's zero eight five seven seven five seven nine eight six. Seven seven five seven nine eight six. And you're, if you're you want to fa- ring me, I can arrange to meet him. Okay. Um, I do have a lockup, but there's no access unless I'm there. Okay. But the Haven Cafe in Bachelor's Key, they Great can stuff. drop it in for me in there, and I I. I'm in there every day because all right, great, I great, that great spot. But keep up, keep up the great work, and I know coming up to Christmas you'll be really, really busy trying to get everybody sorted in the as best you can. Hazel from Street Angels, thank you. That number, if you want to make a donation or maybe give them some woolly hats, oh eight five seven seven five seven nine eight six. Always think of the great Paddy O'Brien over the years when he'd say for an elderly person at home during cold weather. Wear the hat all day. Just to put your woolly hat on and wear it all day long. Wear it in bed if you have to. Remember a couple of years ago, actually, the heating in Coogan Towers went kaput. Uh, we had to get a fella out to fix it. But in the, in the night before he came, I, I certainly slept with my woolly hat on. And it is a game changer.
So, 0818-96-96-96 and well done again to the kids at uh, Grail School Fig Sayers who put all those care packs together for the street angels. I'll catch up on my correspondence a little bit, Fergal, because I won't be getting behind. Lots of people coming through with messages about cashless payment and taxis not taking it. There's only one reason, says Kevin. You don't need to be a rocket scientist. It's easier to hide cash from the revenue than it is to hide a card transaction. Anything else they're telling you is waffle. It's a tax dodge. Finbar, the taxman, PJ, they don't want the taxman to know. Uh, yeah. Kate says any decent tax driver worth their salt would bring the person home and wait for them to get the money. This lady could have been attacked on the way home, except the third driver took her. This is about Danielle, who was on with us first thing. Rocky, PJ, you'd wonder if the reason taxis are only taking cash is because they're fiddling with the tax. <laughs> if they start taking cashless payments, then all of a sudden your income is on display. Carlos says, I know of a bakery that won't take card. Taxman, simple as that. You can't hide a bank statement. Susan, I reckon drivers won't take cards because they won't get tipped extra. This is interesting. And Susan's listening in sunny Spain. Uh, we're not at all jealous. So are you there on a holiday or are you staying there? If you're on a holiday, we're jealous. If you're living there, we're even more jealous. But thank you. Buenas from sunny Spain. Baldi says any requirement to have credit cards is just making more money for the banks. Paul sent in a voice note then pointing out he refused to take cash. It's not a strike against your PSV license, but rather a matter for the guy who inspects the taxis. Yeah, it's a condition of license that you are able to take cash but it doesn't have implications for your licence if you don't, I think. But it is a ticketing offence, I do believe. But certainly taxi drivers required by law these days to take cash. People going to the UK, uh, yeah, airports, taxis, or airports and trains. There's industrial author- uh, relations mayhem, absolute mayhem pending in the UK. There are strikes coming up on the railways. Um, Mick Lynch, the Corkman, leading the railway union. Uh, the railways have a series of strikes. The buses are considering strike action. Road maintenance employees are planning for, for strike action. In the airports, baggage handlers are going on strike and UK border force going on strike at Christmas time. There's a postal strike pending. There's a nursing strike going ahead. Junior doctors are, are balloting for strike action. Other NHS staff, firefighters balloting for strike action. Teachers balloting for strike action. Food delivery drivers, civil servants, brewers, now it's smaller brewers in the UK, and coffin makers in the UK. Coffin makers balloting for strike action across the water. Well, you would wonder if there's any implication with regards airports in particular for Irish people trying to come home for Christmas. Imagine if the last leg of your journey home or your friend's journey home or your brother's journey home or sister's journey home. Imagine if the last leg into Cork is coming out of Gatwick or Heathrow. Heathrow in particular. Could that have implications for their trip home? It's one we'll follow. I've already sent a contact to um, 
or sent a message to Barry Holland, the communications gaffer at the airport, to see what they're planning for. And he said they're, they're monitoring the situation and the airlines will make their own arrangements. But certainly with baggage handlers and border patrol, border passport staff, that kind of thing, looking for, are, are balancing for strike action in the British airports. I, I'd be worried about people getting home at Christmas. But strikes are plenty in the UK. You know what? I'd hate to be an industrial relations correspondent at the moment over there. You'd be working around the clock. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Still more stuff coming in about cashless and moving to cashless. And people asking, like, where exactly do I stand on this? I have no problem with cashless payment. But I want the choice. I want the choice. I don't necessarily want to go into a pub, sit up at a counter, order a pint, and be told I have to pay with my phone or my card. I, I don't want that. I want the choice. I was, as I said, I was in Dublin yesterday, and I was waiting on the train home, and I popped into the the Galway Hooker, which is the pub there in in Houston Station, and nice and busy. Love the atmosphere in there, and whatever. And I had having a, a point, and the man came over. He said cash or card and I thought yeah that's how it should be that's exactly how it should be um, but how do you feel about the choice about cashless how do you feel about it do you want to go more cashless or do you want to not go cashless because some people don't want to go there at all some people absolutely do not want to go there at all and some people would go there tomorrow and I think I think younger people in my experience anyway younger people are more Cashless. They're more inclined to do cashless. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I have a picture in front of me, Morris. Explain what this is. This is off of the council website. It's an in, an illustration of planned road. No, yeah. Yeah. Tell me yeah, what's going yeah. on here. It, 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 <coughs> that's our Christmas present now from um, Cork City Council there, PJ. Go on, tell um, me. Where's this from? Uh, yeah. Well, I haven't been on now in a while with you now, PJ, to be fair, right? Um, and I had no reason to ring you like until this popped in the door. Um, I'm living in Norfolk Avenue, as you know, PJ, right? And there are two main um, arterial routes in Farnery, right? The one is uh, the hill coming up there from um, Dino, as we'll say, yes. right? And the other one is Norfolk Avenue leading on to Notfree Avenue. Now, for those listening who wouldn't know where that is, we're talking about the street by the church in Farnery, leading over to the, the parochial hall and the bats and Grand, all that road going along there. No, sure. the council has, has now come along with a plan to go digging up footpaths and installing two new cycle lanes either side of the road. I'm looking okay? at that. Is that both sides have a cycle lane? Both according to their illustration or that they put in and my reading of the map, right? Um, yes, they're going to come along dig up the place, put in these cycle lanes, put in crossings, all this kind of stuff, remove the roundabouts, which I'm not really I, I'm not really upset about that. It's it's the cycle lanes I am upset about. Um you're talking for a distance of one point four kilometers, so two point eight kilometers now either way, right, of cycle lanes. Now Peach, I sent um Richard um a little video this morning of myself dropping my kids to school. Okay, at quarter to nine. And that, that road, had there's three schools on it, PJ. Right. There's a uh, boys' school, a boys' primary, a girls' primary, 
and a secondary school, which is going to be mixed now in September, apparently, right, of next year. Um, no, not so too sure. That's not going ahead, I don't think. No, it, the mixing is going ahead. It's just not merging with St. Oh, Vincent's okay, now, right? Okay, right. right? So we're talking, these are very, very large schools, PJ, right? And you're talking an awful lot of people coming at the same time to drop children off, right? Now, today is a dry day, all right? It's a bit, the, the weather isn't great, but ice-wise like in that. Um, but like last week there, the, the rain was torrential in that, PJ. Uh, like, is the council expecting people to cycle to school, kids to cycle to school in that kind of weather, right? It's it's completely unrealistic what they're trying to do there. They're going to knock down, they're going to knock down mature trees that have been there for over 50 years right. to achieve a cycle day. No, I, stood, I stayed there on purpose now for well, half an hour this morning. The, according to the artist's impression to the picture that you send, the trees will still be there. Oh, no, well, that's somewhere else. That's some other plan that the council have cut out that picture, stuck it in and said, there's an example of it. Oh, I right? see. Oh, I see. Do you understand me? When they come up there, there'll be no trees. Okay? See, but the, look, that, that's neither here nor there. The issue is, it's unnecessary. I was there for half an hour this morning. I did it on purpose, right, to see how many push bikes will go past me. Mm. One in the space of a half an hour. Now, I sent Richard a picture of their street after nine o'clock in the morning. And you could have the Tour de France up there if you wanted to, mm. without blocking any roads. There's there's so little traffic on the road, do you know? And, and why, are the cyclones would... going to be going outside the schools there? Outside the schools and across the road and the houses. Now, that estate was built at a time when people didn't really have cars, right? So a lot of the houses don't have a driveway. They rely on on-street parking. Yes. So no, no, the council are saying, we don't know where you're going to park your car, but we're putting a cycle lane there. And there's a bylaw or a new law that says you cannot park on a cycle lane. Yes. Right? And if, if not going to heen you something to go by or Holly Hill maybe, I should say, if you went over there by Apple where they put in the new car park around it, they've done this, a similar type project up there where they put in two cycle lanes and they put all these little black bollards, do you know the little small standy-up black ones with a little reflective strip I on do. them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To demark the lane as being a cycle lane. So no, like you couldn't even, if you broke down now in the, in the street there with your car, you can't even pull into the cycle lane out of the way. I You're stuck in the middle of the road. Up Southern Road on the south side, the, up one side there's a cycle lane, which is fine, mm-hmm. and they have mm-hmm. these these bollards with, it, with like you said, the shiny bit on top, and there's a lot of it down around Monaghan Road as well. So, yeah. And I'm thinking, yeah, if your car stalls or your clutch goes kaput or something, you yeah. can't pull in. Are you going to punch up? Are you going to punch You cannot pull in. You're out, you're out in the middle of the road causing a traffic problem. No. Up where I'm talking about now is on the main 203 bus route, right? Mm-hmm. It comes The bus comes up the hill there and it turns by the church left and goes along through by the schools there, okay? So they're going to restrict that as well. It seems, it, look, the whole thing is nuts, nuts, PJ. I don't know where it's come from. I know there was an issue with bus connects up on Harbourview Road and, yeah. and stuff like that, right? Well, well, this, I knew that the, was going on. It's just the latest, really, in a long line. I think I know Paul was talking about travelling traveling or planning and crazy decisions mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, the Tory Top Road people have been on with me repeatedly about the, the plans yeah. you're out there. We know that some of John Spillane's cherry trees are for the chop out in Bellefihan and people are not happy about that. And here's the latest one now. So you're going to have a cycle lane going outside the schools. And, a and outside people's houses. Outside people's Richard, houses. Yeah. There is no there is no flurry of cyclists up there. Trust me. I'm a cyclist myself, PJ. I like to cycle down when the weather was, it was finer, right? Yeah. And of a morning, like I work in the evening time, of a morning, PJ, around, around what's it, half nine, 
I might head off over to the Lee Fields and out along that way, right? Maybe go to Ballincollig and back in, right? I never have a problem cycling on that road. There's never an issue with me being in conflict with cars, right? That's the whole point of a cycle lane, right? And yet here we are. What's needed up there is actual parking for people to facilitate them dropping and collecting their children. Well, you and see, that's where they want points. us to go, Morris. They, they're trying to get us to take to the bus, use the bike, walk more. They're, they're, trying, to, they're trying to discourage us from driving. Yeah. Say that to the girl now with the, with the three-month-old baby, right, in her car. Right, and she has two other kids trying to drop them off in the morning to school. Right, say that to her, take her child now onto the onto the bus. That incidentally, you probably have to walk to Blackpool to get, and you live in Parklands or something like that. You know, it's listen. I've never seen such a ludicrous thing. No, no, they've followed everything perfectly. They've done the part eighteen. They've dropped all the information things in the door, mm. and it seems to me you know that this this is a fait accompli. This plan is done. We're going ahead with this. I was just going to ask it. that. Is this? A plan that's been put in, for, in front of me as this is what we're going to do? Or is it this is what we want to do? What do you think? Which is it? This is what we're going to do. Okay. That's, that's the way it's been presented. No, the last time they did walks up there was in 2007, right? And in my opinion, they made a mess of the place as well. They actually made the road quicker to drive and they've widened it to provide a parking, but put no traffic calming measures in, not one speed ramp. Right yeah. on the two or three bus route, they won't do it. Because, and and the excuse is it's on a bus route. It's very hard for you know, the bus it, now. To be fair, I mean, I was coming over by Ballyfehan Park this morning at mm-hmm. uh, around seven o'clock. I was uh, dropping my daughter to work, and mm-hmm. if you come up there by Ballyfehan Park, like if you come across them too fast, you'll take off. You you couldn't you, put yeah, them yeah. on a bus route. <clears throat> There's I drive lorries, PJ, as you know, yeah. where our vehicles are the same width as the bus, more or less, right? Mm. And we have no problem driving over the pillow ramp. Do you know the pillow ramp? There's two of them I in do, the middle yeah. of the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's, there's, there's the, the, is, we say is, the white line. Is the arse of the bus not a bit lower, Morris, than your truck? But sure, they have, they have, than the truck. Yeah. Um, it could be, but I know that they have altering suspension. They can move it up and down. You know, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the point, the point I'm making here is, nobody wants this project done, yeah. except people in City Hall. Imagine that coming up outside your door. You can't pack a car now anymore. Where am I going to put my car? That's your problem. We're putting a cycle in outside your house. That's that's one of the big problems for people in a lot of places, like Tory Top Road being another one. Thanks, Morris, for that. 0818969696. I was also reading in the last day or two where a lot of the money being allocated for active transport won't be spent and will go back. Remember I told you before about use it or lose it street? That's this time of the year. You've got to start this work. You lose the money. A lot of the money is going to go back because they, and of course the active transport people are up in arms about it. But there's another one of those projects now where they've just come in with their plans for what they intend to do. And as Morris said, three schools will have cycle lanes going outside them. And yes, they want us to leave the car and take the bus and cycle and walk and all that. But as Morris said, well, tell that to the mother of three, two of whom are going to school, and the third is still a babe in arms. What is she supposed to do? Or the father of three? 0818 uh, On another cashless query here, rear discussion, card versus cash, used parking in Douglas Woolen Mills the other day. Uh, the cash machine's out of order, so I used the app. It's more expensive to pay online. It's charged as a convenience fee. 
It wasn't more convenient, though. By the time you lock in, log into the app, oh, I know the app, you get a one-time passcode from the bank, you wait for the payment to go. Anyway, I know, I know. Anyway, just wanted to let you know, it's specifically charged as a convenience fee, not an administration fee. Small thing, but very annoying, as I actually went to the effort to pay and got charged more for the effort. Yeah, that... Uh, the app, 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 Hoka or Appcoa Connect app. I, I have it on my phone because I park at a lot of their different places. But it can be a bit clunky and a bit awkward at times. You're not wrong. The difference in pricing gas bottles is on Noel's mind. Major retailer with multiple outlets currently charging €39 Euro to refill a gas bottle. A smaller retailer charging 30 Another 32 you would think that buying power would mean that the bigger outlet would be cheaper, not more expensive. You would think that, wouldn't you? 0818 96 96 96. Or should we be worried about this strep A in children? A lot of stuff in the newspapers, a lot of stuff on the radio and television about it the last few days. The uh, new chief medical officer issuing statements about it. Should we actually be worried about this strep A? The chief medical officer, the new chief medical officer, is Professor Breda Smith. I can see that being a, a table quiz question, you know, in 2022 or 2023. Who is the new chief medical officer? Anyway, she's issued an urgent health warning after these strep A outbreaks in Ireland hit the headlines. We've had 55 cases of this infection in children. One tragic case a five-year-old girl called Stella Lily McCorkendale. She's died at this stage from strep A. They're saying that a lot of us actually have this anyway, walking around with it and would flare up now and again and do us no harm at all. But they're very worried about it in children right now. So let's catch up with uh, Dr. John Sheehan. Uh, John, let, let's try and make sense of what's going on here. I, is there a real concern? First, well, first of all, John, what is strep A? And is it true that most of us are walking around with it and don't even know? Good morning. Morning, PJ. Yes, you're, you're, you're correct. Strep A is streptococcus. It's, it's a bacteria. Um, and about 20% of us carry it in our, in, in our, in our nose, in our nasal passageways, naturally. So, so, so it's the bug that's naturally out there. You know, a good number of us carry it, and it, it normally doesn't cause us problems. The difficulty is, is that for two two things happen, PJ. One, it can move from that area, and it can cause uh, infections, which are very common. Like you'd often hear of strep throat and those sort of infections. It can cause scarlet fever, and a lot of those infections people get over. They're sick. They get over. Mm. They might need some antibiotics, and they're fine. The problem is that in some people it can go further than that and get into their bloodstream and cause invasive uh, and strep A. And that's where, you know, the 55 people that you refer to, that's where they're, they're really sick, uh, they're in hospital, they're on IV antibiotics, and, mm. uh, you know, unfortunately that's the one that, you know, that, that has people scared and concerned. And every year, PJ, this, this occurs, this time of year, there's an increased number of infections. There's an increased number of viral infections. We're seeing a, a, a huge number of, uh, of infections at the moment. Um, and then when that happens, the number of, of, of Group A strep uh, infections happen. But I think it's important to remember that the numbers, if you look at the number of invasive Group strep, it's about 55. Mm. Uh, and you're, you're correct in saying that. And like, that's pretty similar to 
pre-pandemic 2019. Okay. I suppose what's different is that our immunity is perhaps slightly different, particularly in younger children because of COVID and the lockdown and things like that. Their immunity hasn't been exposed to very much over the last two years. So we're kind of seeing more infections um, at the moment, RSV and other inf- uh, respiratory syncytial virus and other infections um, because we're kind of getting a double whammy for that uh, um, since yeah. COVID. No. As someone who's only ever had strep throat twice in my life, I wouldn't wish it on anyone. It's horrible. I can't imagine how much damage it would do if that got into your bloodstream. What that is, and, and all doctors I talk to or have, have read about, John, it's very rare. It is very rare. And, and I suppose that's the thing to, to remember. But like any parent, you know, parents worry and, and, and they worry about their children. And you know that's totally understandable. And I remember one of my colleagues was uh, was had had this advice of the three Fs. So you know, parents know their children. You know, look at their feeding. Look, have they got a fever? And look at their form, because parents often can tell. No, they're just not right. They're really off form. They're not themselves. You know, normally they're bouncing off the place, jumping up and down and things, and they're really off form um, now. And that's sometimes a good indicator of, of, of how, how people are doing. And, you know, it can be hard to tell. And it can be hard. Is this rash okay? Is it something else? You know, so, you know, the advice I would give if you are worried, you know, to, you know, to, ring, to ring your GP. Uh, because, you know, it, it, is, it is always a worrying time. And this time of year, when the number of infections go up, you know, in particular, you'd hear stories, you'd hear people getting things. A lot of people would just get runny noses, cough, colds, uh, right. you know, and they'd be fine. But if your child is sick or if you're worried about them, then they need to be seen. I, I couldn't believe it when I was reading about what the chief medical officer was saying about she going back to the whole washing your hands for 20 seconds and hand hygiene uh, around children. It's it, as basic it, as that. It is as basic as that, and it absolutely makes a huge difference, PJ. Like we saw during the COVID pandemic, we didn't see cases of flu at all because of all, all, all the hygiene, the masks, the separation. And like with all of these infections, it makes a huge difference. And the other advice people, uh, you know, she, she gave is that if you're tired of the temperature or if the child is a bit sick, don't send them to school, don't send them to play school or to crash because it'll spread and other children, you know, um, um, will get it. Is is it contagious, John, as a bacterial infection? Is it contagious? It is, yes. It can be spread by coughing and and like a lot of other infections. So so unfortunately, it it is contagious. Um, And it's unusual, PJ, in the sense that, you know, 20% of us carry it and then for some reason it goes. And we don't know why why it goes from just hanging around in your body to causing um, an infection. And the other worry then that always happens this time of year is when the number of viral infections go up, the rate of meningitis also goes up. And we're not really sure why that is, but that has been proven again and again and again. So you have a mixture of all of these coughs and colds, a mixture of all of these viral infections. And then, unfortunately, within that, there will be some children who will be quite sick. Mm-hmm. In the UK, there was a discussion, I was listening to it over the last day or two, about giving children penicillin as a preventative. Are we anywhere near that or needing to do that? We're certainly not at the moment. And really, that's in very, very um, small number of cases where you may have an outbreak in a class of a number of cases. And really, that's only done by a public health assessment where they mm. go in and they say, listen, there's a significant outbreak in this, in this class. 
it's more than one, certainly more than one, it may be a few, a few children, we need to cover the rest of the children with that. Taking it generally just to prevent it isn't a good idea because one, you, you'll get resistance to, uh, the penicillin will just, it won't work when you really need it. And two, it, the, the, the supply then, of course, will run out for the people who really need it. Yeah. Yeah, plus the idea That's that if we start giving it out right, left and centre, there's the concern we'll run out of it. We absolutely will, and, and it just won't work, and that's the problem, you know. And, like, the vast majority of children who, who get sick, it's a viral infection, and they usually will be fine. So the penicillin, when it's needed, yeah. it's needed for a small number of people, and then it works, and yeah. that's really what we want to do. Can we talk with that for a second, John, just briefly before I let you go? This, like you said, most of the infections that kids get, we all get in the wintertime, they're a virus. You might as well be taking Smarties as taking penicillin for a virus, Correct. Absolutely, yeah. 90% of the infections children get are viral infection. And the average child at the age of about 2 to 3 PJ gets about 21 infections a year. And that sounds like an awful lot. Some of them are tummy bugs, some of them are runny noses and things. So what you find is when they start play school or crash, they have a winter where they just seem to get one thing after another after another. And then when they hit 7 or 8, their immunity is built up and they might get one or two a year. And that's normal. And that's you know, that happens and they yeah. bounce back fine uh, from it. Yeah, but if the child is off, you know, the, and look, mother's instinct, father's instinct, it's better than any doctor. If the child is off, get it checked, correct? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you're, you know, the bottom line is, if you're, you know, if you're going to bed and you're worried and you feel the child isn't right, and, you know, it, then, it, you know, if the child is off, the child needs to be seen. All right, thank you, as always, Dr. John Sheehan. It's out there. It's serious, if it gets serious, as they say. If your child is very off, get it checked. But for the most part, this strep A is normal. And as he said, it's actually at pre-pandemic levels. We had higher levels of strep A before the pandemic. We're just hearing more about it. There's been a couple of tragedies, and we should be mindful of that. One here, a number in the UK. But for the most part... This isn't a, a major cause for concern. 0818 96, 96, 96. We were looking at some of your favourite TV moments that we wanted. We want to try and get our own list for Christmas week, if you have any great ideas. But let me come back to more stuff that is coming into us this morning. God, you're busy. You'll be here. Uh, yeah, Mick Nugent, Councillor Mick Nugent was on about those bicycle lanes. Myself and Kenneth Collins have the agreement of the council team to hold a public meeting to discuss the proposal on a date to be agreed. That's in response to Morris's call. I was in the Blackrock Clinic last week, says Paul. Parking machines not taking cash. It was card only. I paid by card, yet when I went to leave, barriers were open. On the road changes, John O'Donovan says if enough people get together, they can stop all these plans. And on Tony's Sweets, hello there, says D. I'm drooling here, listening to Tony talking about sweets. Great to hear him. It's the best reminder to shop local. Delightful. Fill our gobs. <laughs> and don't break the bank. It always put a smile on your face. PJ, maybe laugh about the dentist. If Eric is anything like my lovely dentist, Kevin, he's rubbing his hands in glee with all the extra business after Christmas. <laughs> 0818 96 96 96 I get a warning from my dentist every time I go to him this time of the year he says 
Watch it on the chocolate orange. I know, I know. 0818-96-96-96. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment. Mimi Webb projects a voice as magnetic, massive and magical as her personality. With a hell of a vocal range, she's quick to laugh and will let you precisely know what's on her mind. Mimi's been announced to play live at the Marquee next summer with the show taking place on June 16th. Access all areas. Michael Scott's iconic production of John B. Keane's hilarious dramatic comedy The Matchmaker comes to Cork in the new year featuring two iconic Irish stars John Kenny and Norma Sheehan. One of Keane's classics, The Matchmaker runs at Cork Opera House on February 23rd with tickets on sale now. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. On Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. There's a thing. Um, there will be, I see, a public meeting organised. I've lost my... Forgive me for a minute. I've lost my train of thought trying to grab bits of paper around me here. Yes, I can't work without paper. Even in a paperless world, I can't work without paper. So I'm surrounded by mounds of the stuff. And as we get closer and closer to Christmas, I'll be surrounded by bigger mounds of paper. So forgive me if I lose my place now and again. Morning, 0818 96 96 96. The number to call, the text to WhatsApp is 083 396 96 96. You can also pop a voice message on that if that's your preferred way of getting through to us. Or email opinion at 96fm.ie and opinion at 96fm.ie. Of course, the best way to contact us out of hours. Anytime that we're not on the air, just get us that way. If you listen to a podcast or listening to our overnight repeat show or wherever you happen to be listening to us outside of ours, just pop it to opinion at 96fm.ie. Did you guess yet what it is that makes this country work like a state funeral in reverse sometimes? It's a story in the news. It was in the early morning news and on your newspapers this morning. I promise I'll tell you before we're finished. You'll laugh at this. You really will laugh when I tell you. Well, you won't, actually. You'll just go, oh, my God. Is it any wonder things don't happen quickly? Tell you that before quitting time today. Also, we were covering the protest a few weeks ago about the proposal by HSE to cut back on access to home births. There's been a huge U-turn by the HSE in that it's not going to happen now. And we'll catch up with one of those campaigners later in the hour. And if you were doing a battle of the bands, this was fascinating. Fergal showed me this this morning. I couldn't, couldn't believe this. If you were doing a kind of a battle of the bands, if, you were, if I was to ask you who scored more hits on their videos, their music videos, this year, was it Eminem or Taylor Swift? Who scored more this year? Would you know the answer to that question? I'll tell you all that before we finish today. But first of all, prinking is a term that's not new to me. I've done it. 
I might as well tell you now. I've done it with the price of the pint. I've been known to take a bottle of beer or two before we go out uh, for the night. Um, but prinking is a thing um, and has been a thing for a while, particularly, I guess, with young people. And now that we're in the middle of party season, I wonder will people prink before they go out to the Christmas party, given the astonishing price of the enormous price of drink in pubs now. But Clet Sheridan is writing about prinking in the in the echo and Clet you're concerned about it because you reckon it's 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 something that we're taking for granted and we shouldn't be taking for granted. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I think there's, it's almost like there's official approval um, given to, to, to prinking because you get parents driving their offspring to houses where their friends are hosting prinks parties. And then during the college Christmas a week or two ago when um, the young ones were in the pubs from early morning, um, the pub owners were making sure that they were queuing in an orderly fashion. This was like 7 a.m., 8 a.m., it's crazy. I mean, the idea of drinking at that hour of the morning yeah. and going up presumably all day and goggling, you knows what happens that night. It's dangerous, you know. We, well, we were getting video right. here that morning at quarter past eight of, of queues outside certain pubs. That's a discussion yeah. in itself. But as regards to prinking, I must be a very bad parent because not only have I driven my daughter to her friends' houses <laughs> knowing they were having a drink or two before going out, I have in the past, myself and, and now we were there throughout, myself and my wife have, have let them have a pre-drinking session in, not a session, they've been in the kitchen for an hour with a few drinks. Like, I'm asking myself, where's the harm in it? It's what they'll, if they don't do it in my house, they'll do it somewhere else. Yeah, but that's kind of giving in to them really in a way, isn't it? They're adults. Um, I mean, well, some of them aren't adults. Some of them are under 18. Yeah, and, well, um, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have done that. We would not have done that. Or yeah, that, no. yeah. And like they, they burn the candle at both ends. You're talking about students now. They're working hard, trying to get their exams. But what they should be aware of is the fact that alcohol damages areas of the brain which are responsible for learning and memory, verbal skills, and, um, you know, all the things that you need if you're to be a competent student. Yeah. Uh, which sounds very dreary and boring, Mike, but, you know. You you and I um, were both in college at different times. Drinking in college is part of college culture. Yeah, I, I, I was trying to remember my college days. Um, we certainly drank, but not excessively. I think I got more interested in drink when I left college. Mm. But, um, no, it wasn't, it wasn't excessive, and... Um, at least, I don't remember it being... It, it, it was nothing like the levels to which you do it today. I, I remember being caught no. with a drink in my hand in college. It's, it's, it's a story that deserves telling some someday. But, but yeah, it, it, you, you reckon that it's it's too acceptable now? Yeah, it's almost too acceptable. And um, as I say, it has official sanction and um, maybe that in itself will make it less appealing to young ones if their parents approve of it they might try and go a step further and god only knows take what but um uh so they are i mean when you're young you spoke about the past in in the article saying that our parents wouldn't have approved whether we fooled them doesn't really matter we weren't allowed or it wasn't facilitated we weren't allowed yeah uh, if they could smell beer off your clothes someone spilled it on you you know Exactly, but you know that um, like drink, you know that drink away. Mine didn't believe mine. You know that didn't. You know they didn't believe you. 
I know, but like there's a bit of a myth saying that um, if you allow your child to drink under your supervision, then they won't get into trouble, they won't be excessive, they won't do it as much outside the house. But in fact, that is actually a myth, apparently. Um, I wonder, is it though? I wonder, is it? Like, yeah. If you look at French and Spanish children, they, mm-hmm. I mean, in France, a child as young as 12 will be handed a small glass of wine with their dinner. They drink under parents' supervision. And there would appear yeah. to be a lot less crazy binge drinking in, in, in France. And certainly, you won't see Spanish teenagers rolling around the place full of beer, as opposed to the Irish yeah. or the English, you know? They're, they're kind of I think we're, we're more... They're introduced to it by their parents, and they're warned of the dangers of it by their parents. I think the Irish are more predisposed to having drink issues rather than Mediterranean people, I think. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure if the Spanish have a, a, a much of a drink problem. Um, certainly it sounds very civilised to introduce a small quantity of alcohol in the home. Um, and uh, no doubt it goes on here as well, but it certainly wouldn't be as young as 12. Yeah. But um, yeah. I think there that, you know... It's very hard to supervise drinking. You can, okay, you can have the drinks, prinks party in the house. Once they head out in the town, they're well oiled at that stage yeah. and they're going to drink more on top of us, you know. Sometimes they don't actually. In, in the experience of the young people that I've spoken to who would be in their early 20s, most of them, right? And you'd say to them, well, why are you getting half jarred here at home? Because when they go into town, they go to a club. They actually don't drink at all. Do they not drink in the, in the club, no? No, it's too expensive. So they have their drink at home or in someone's flat and then they go off to town and they dance the night away or enjoy whatever they're enjoying and they don't drink anymore or they drink very little. They might have one drink in the, in, in the club or the pub because it's too damned expensive. But then you hear all those stories about students um, in the UCC area or um, you know, drinking to excess, having parties, annoying the neighbours. Mm. Um, you know, they are excessive when they're young. There's a bit less of that happens than we hear about, Colette. We hear about the bad stuff, but there's a bit less. They're not all mad, are they? I wonder. Oh, no, of course not. But I think there is an issue with over-drinking um, amongst students and young people. Um, they're experimenting. They haven't found their limit yet, some of them. And um, they they get stuck into the the alcohol in somebody's house before heading out in the town. You say they don't drink in town, but I think they do. I've seen them. Well, that's what they tell me, the ones that I know. They tell me that they don't Mm -hmm. actually drink. Once they've had, once they've been to the flat, or as because... Or they've been to someone's well, house. Drink is so expensive. Yeah, that's drink the is point. so expensive now. I don't know how they afford it. That's the point they're making. That's exactly the point that they're mm. making. You know, probably depends. When I last had a drink, I got change out of four euro. Right. Yeah. You were, you were, that was in an off license for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was in a pub fifteen years ago. That I would have paid under four euro for a, for a bottle of beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. But look, we're 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 in the in peak Christmas party season. Um, you're. What would you be? Is it parents you're reaching out to here, Colette, to say, look, don't normalize this? Yeah, I think so. Um, that might seem a little bit repressive because my generation would have grown up with parents who 
so the evils of drink, whereas I think parents, younger parents today enjoy drinking at home themselves. And, you know, obviously, whatever examples they're giving, um, they're showing their kids that it's okay to drink at home. But the parents mightn't be excessive, whereas the young ones might be because they're young. They haven't learned their limits. Yeah. So I would say to young people that really um, you don't actually need too much drink to have a good time. And certainly the, having a blackout um, and all the dangers um, associated with that, it really mm. is not, you know, desirable. Do you think um, there's a lot of that drinking to the stage where you're blacking out? I think there is, yeah. If you talk to people about their drinking habits when they were younger, they yeah. will, you know, yeah. they will tell you that they, you know, that they, that they didn't know how, how much they were drinking. They didn't know how much they could take and drank to the point of blackout. Obviously yeah. not all of them. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. yeah you're, so, you're they think they're invincible, you see. They think, yeah. When you're young, you think you're invincible. You think you can get away with everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, you can't and you're setting up habits for later life. Um, yeah. So really... I think if they had glasses of water in between drinks, isn't that what's that's what's advised? Yes. 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 Pacing yourself, kind of. Thing. Do they take the, the pledge anymore? The confirmation pledge that we used to take. Uh, that's a good question. That's I I know that my 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 daughter takes a drink. My son doesn't drink. My daughter takes a drink and um, I think that she did at her confirmation take the pledge, but she's twenty five now. Like. Ah, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I don't think the, I don't. I wonder. You know, I wonder yeah. if it's still there. I don't know. That's a good question, actually. Do they still take the confirmation pledge? Or and another thing you hear, Colette, is a lot of young people are just not drinking now. Really? Mm, I've heard of that. I've heard about that. They just don't, or they drink only on special yeah. occasions, or they. You know, it's interesting. Well, yeah. that's very healthy. That's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you'd enjoy it more if you have, if you don't have it too often, presumably. That's true. Yeah, I wouldn't say the pledge is too po- is too common, but it's it's possibly still being being taken. But I, there's a thing now. If anyone wants to, did anyone's children who made confirmation this year say, did they take the pledge? Did they say the bishop isn't pushing it anymore? But did they take the confirmation oh. pledge? I wonder. It's not. It's not an official. I don't think it's an official part of the confirmation ceremony anymore. It used to be back. I mean, back when I was a kid, God, the idea the, you'd abstain from alcohol until you were eighteen. You wouldn't even smell it until you were eighteen. It was, a big, it was a big part of it then, but I don't so about now. Good question you raised, though. Colette, thank you. Colette Sheridan writing in the Echo about drinking and why it's a thing, and Colette advising against it as a practice and. Maybe we, maybe as parents we shouldn't be endorsing it or encouraging it. And look, I'll say it straight out, myself and the Queen Bee have had young people in the house, now they'd all be of drinking age. We've had young people in the house, we've known they've had a few drinks, they're going out later on. They tell us they don't drink when they go out later on. Now when they've had a few and they get out and they're on the bus, they're getting the air and they might have one drink at the pub or in the club offer and then, you know, they might as well be drinking all night, but they, they, they're they drinking for the most part. They're prinking, in my experience as a parent, uh, they're prinking because it's too blasted expensive to go out and drink at a pub. That is why they're prinking so much. Not to get hammered, 
not they're not looking they're not drink they're not prinking because they want to get hammered they're prinking because it's too blasted expensive to go out and drink in an actual pub at least that's the experience of the young people that that I talk to and meet and deal with when was I caught drinking myself my dad God rest him this was a long time ago it was in a college bar in UCC the old college bar, if you remember it. Standing at the counter and it was a pint of a thing called Hoffman's that I had. Hoffman's. I don't think you can get it anymore. I'm not surprised. It wasn't the greatest drink of all time. But at the time I was just I'd say 19 and I was having a pint and it was I'd been in the library in the evening studying and I had my bike with me, my push bike, and it was a most awful night. It was pouring with rain when I came out of the library. So I wandered into the college bar and said, right, I'll wait here to see if the rain will ease. I'm standing at the bar and nudge against me from pal, college pal, will you have a pint? And I was taking the odd drink at the time. I was trying to figure out what I liked. So I said, yeah, I'll have a pint of Hoffman's. And I had a pint of Hoffman's and it was all right, like. And I had a second one. And as I was just about to lower the second one, it was a tap on the shoulder. Who was it? Only my father, could be good to him, had come up to me. He'd been out himself in the car and realised it's absolutely chucking it down out of the heavens. He'll be drowned. He's studying in college. I'll bring him home. And saw the bike tied up outside the college bar, came upstairs, and there's me at the counter, drinking a pint of Hoffman's. And do you know who bought it for me? I've never said this before. Do you know who bought that pint for me that night all those years ago? (laughs) Derry O'Callaghan, if you don't mind. 0818, yes, it's true. 0818 96 96 96. All right, well, we do this now. We will do this now. But you see, I have the other slipper. You want to go? Callers 9 and 10, 0818 96 96 96. My favourite message of the week. You just reminded me of a story there when I was about 16, growing up in Ballincollig. There was this Ballincollig newsletter, Ross, if I remember it. There'd be jobs advertised in the back of it. We were looking for jobs, and uh, there, there was a job advertised for a lady to do some light housework. And uh, one of the girls growing up in this day says, I never knew Ballincollig had a light house. <laughs> <laughs> and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. You can stop calling now. You see, I have the other slipper. We did it and we are the steam coming out of the phones. Everybody wants to go to see Cinderella at the Everyman on the 29th of December. It's open since last weekend, runs until the middle of January. John Dorgan is online too. John? Hi, PJ. It's Don Dorgan. Oh, Don Dorgan. Beg your pardon. Where, who, who would you take? I'll bring my two uh, boys with me and my wife. Okay. That's a nice little family of four. Well, on Thursday, 29th of December, you'll be going to see Cinderella at the Everyman. But before that, we're going to send you to Thompson's and feed you. 
before the panto. Little Christmas treat from us and the everyman. So, Don, enjoy that, okay? Put you back on to the lads. Well done. And line three is next. Ellen. Hi, Ellen. Hi. How are you doing? Okay, who are you going to take with you? Um, I was ringing in for my cousin. She works constantly, so she wasn't able to ring in. And it's for her and her two smallies, Lily and Scott. Fantastic. Well, maybe they'll bring you Mm -hmm. to make up the four, because on 29th (laughs) of December, you're off to see Cinderella at the Everyman. And we're going to feed you before that in Thompson's with a pre-show meal for four people. So Ellen McComb and Don Dorgan are two winners from today. They're back there with you, Richard. 0818 96 96 96. Another one of those tomorrow. Another one, another two more family passes and meals out tomorrow for the Cinderella performance on Thursday, 29th December, 7 o'clock performance. 0818 96 96 96. I want you to think about the worst ever Christmas present that you ever got. Richard was out on the streets of Cork yesterday and the day before grabbing some people's worst ever, best and worst ever Christmas presents. I remember I was absolutely awful at it. Uh, I've gotten a bit better at it. Those those around me would tell you I've gotten a bit better at it in recent years, but I used to be terrible at it. I'd buy in Christmas presents. I had no idea what to do for people. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. That is to come. News this morning about something we were talking about weeks ago, and it was a passionate discussion on the program. A program, a, a discussion in which I learnt. So much. Personally, I learned so much about home birth and the benefits thereof and how much care is taken in preparing for home birth. I genuinely knew little or nothing about it other than some people have their babies at home. That's about as much as I knew. And the HSE had come up with a plan to limit home birth to women living within 30 minutes of, in our case here, CUMH. If they were within, if they weren't within thirty minutes blue light distance of CUMH, then the proposal was that they wouldn't be supported for a home birth. And we had a couple of days of very passionate discussion, and there was nearly a thousand people turned up for a protest on a Sunday at half past twelve. And we read this morning in our newspapers that the HSE has put that on hold for now at least, which is sort of a code for, okay, all right, we're not going to do it. All right, all right, we're not going to do it. Cara Spratt was one of the campaigners. Cara, good morning. Good morning, PJ. This was good news. Absolutely. Well, we certainly hope it's the case that we won't do it, we won't do it. So, look, we are delighted that the south-southwest hospital group has confirmed that this restriction now will not be in place and that the home birth service will transfer across from community to acute governance as is. So this is wonderful news for Cork Kerry, particularly for those in rural areas. Yeah, yeah. Um, your, your contact, you, you, you contacted us initially to try to drive on this campaign and, and we were happy to listen to anybody because, as I said myself, I learned more in that couple of days about the actual home birth issue. You know, um, so it, 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 the, 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 the campaign and the protest, I think, Cara, was bigger than anyone anticipated, was it? Yes, I mean, there was such an outpouring of support for it. And I guess the key point here, PJ, is that the evidence backs up here. You know, we know if we look at our NPEC data on home birth and we look at international studies, we know that for a normal risk birthing population, it is as safe as birthing in hospital. And in fact, actually, you have reduced instance of instrumental delivery, C-section, the episiotomy. Now, this applies to 
and a second and subsequent birth. For first time birth, there's a slightly elevated risk of transferring into hospital, but nonetheless, it remains a very safe option as well. Mm. So I think, you know, when we look at that body of data, um, you know, it all points in one direction. Yeah. So it was quite concerning to see this recommendation come in without any evidence underpinning it at all. Mm. So we would, you know, we would welcome the suspension of this um, and a review of all the literature around our home birth service. When did you get word of the suspension? This was Monday evening it came to, so to modulation for sure. Now, we have only been told that it is for now, but we are hoping that we will see the continued support of the service by the HSE. You know, I had a conversation recently with the CEO of the South Southwest Hospital Group, Jerry O'Dwyer, who just retired last Friday. I know Jerry well, um, yeah. Oh, is yes, he retired? Wish we, he did last Friday. I he wish him well in his retirement. I know Jerry a long time, yeah. yeah. Yes, and so he flew out to Australia, New Zealand on Friday evening. But in any case, Jerry took a considerable amount of time to speak with me as a representative of service users um, and he encouraged that further engagement with service users and all these type of processes and I thought that really spoke highly of the South Southwest Hospital Group and now we are seeing this follow through this week with the suspension of this recommendation that was not based on evidence. Yeah, I think that was a key point that you and others were making that it's not an, ev- it's not an evidence-based decision. Exactly, you know we have hugely respected international studies that have looked at this very um, notion of 30 minutes. It was the 2019 Canadian study which examines, well, let's look at planned home births beyond 30 minutes. And if you think of the geography of Canada, like, you know, they're operating at much greater distances. And that survey, or that study um, found that there was no increase in adverse outcomes when you go beyond the 30 minutes in a planned home birth. So, you know, the data is there. So it was very bizarre to see a recommendation coming in that wasn't evidence-based. And I suppose we feel very strongly that that sort of decision-making has no place in a health service that's committed to evidence-based best practice and patient-centred care. And that's what we would like to see at the heart of our maternity services. So now we're seeing the return of choice to West Cork and Kerry women and families. And this is key. I'm sure that some women who are expecting at the moment were very worried about this because they had hoped for a home birth. I'd say the relief must be huge. Absolutely. I mean, one of our home birth midwives, Elke Hasner, working in the West Cork area, 100% of her clients uh, for the upcoming year were due to be disqualified for the service. So that was hugely concerning to these families. And, you know, historically, we have seen what happens when women don't have agency in their healthcare decisions. This is not the type of healthcare service we want to see going forward into the future. Um, Again, you know, there was no data behind it. There was no reason to question the safety of it. You know, in Cork and Kerry, and um, we represent 40% of the national home birth. And we are the only maternity unit in the country to have a dedicated home birth consultant who reviews every application. So, you know, really the system is so robust. Yes. Um, and, you know, there's, obviously there's no way they would sign off if there were questions and concerns about safety. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you mentioned that you were chatting directly with with Jerry O'Dwyer. And I wish Jerry, by the way, in every success in his, or every good, good wish for his retirement um, does that mean there's a kind of a bond there now that you can talk sort of adult to adult about these things with management at the highest level that's a breakthrough if nothing else is a breakthrough well, I think it was very significant for him to share that time and to really see the value of engaging with service users in all of these decision making processes and not just in maternity but we would like to see this applied across healthcare services because it's only in listening to the service users that we can inform the HSE, you know, what's required, what we need and how to best want to collaborate to create the best possible 
service that you can give to people. And are there other things, Cara, now like that mums might come together on, seeing as this worked so well for you, coming together as a, as a group, are there other things that you might come together on? Well, I think there are many areas in the maternity care services in need of overhaul. Obviously, we've heard about staffing shortages across the country, um, midwives in Tipperary coming out, expressing their fears um, for the staffing levels, their critical levels. So, you know, organisations such as the Birthrights Alliance Ireland, of which I'm a part, um, and AIMS, the Association for the Improvement of Maternity Services, are all working way behind the scenes to, again, create that collaboration with the HSE um, and create, you know, the very best possible maternity services we can for women and service users. Mm. I think, myself, it's this, this sends a lesson to HSE management to say very clearly uh, if they're not happy listen to them because they have strength and they have numbers and they have support. Yes I mean the demand for the service is there. The service is working very successfully. I think I said to you previously that when you look at the data collated by NPEC the home birth programme is actually the safest operating unit of our HSE maternity services. You know the stats are right there. So, you know, when you have the demand, we have adequate resources here in our health system to meet that demand. There is absolutely no reason to put an arbitrary block in place providing choice to women on a national level. Now, this only applies to Cork for now, Cork Kerry, the South South West Hospital Group. So we really hope that other hospital groups will um, follow that lead and uh, suspend this recommendation for now and continue to work on building and expanding the home birth services. Well, well certainly, Cara, as, as someone who, and I said this before, learnt so much about the home birth process during this conversation, I'm delighted for you all. Yeah, we really are thrilled. It's just fantastic. And, you know, particularly at Christmas, we're all getting ready to celebrate what arguably the most famous home birth of all. So it is lovely to think of these families now, as you say, not having that worry hanging over them. And for all um, people who fit the criteria can still apply to the service and, you know, assuming that a midwife is available, have access to our service. And it's huge for our midwives too, who face the possibility of their livelihoods being absolutely stripped away. All right, listen, Cara, thank you very much for coming back to us on this once you got the news. Really appreciate it. Cara Spratt, who was one of the ones campaigning uh, for the change in that decision, and it has been changed, and they've done, well, okay, we'll put it on hold for now. That tends to be kind of political. HSE speak for, all right, all right, all right. We won't do it. We'll see. Thank you, Cara. 0818 96 96 96 on Prinking. The definition of binge drinking keeps changing too, says Kev. Four pints is now a binge. Actually, Kev, three pints is now a binge. Jog on, says Kevin. Uh, poor Derry was hung out to dry. Great story. Uh, you know, it's, I, he knows himself. I told him that many times. But I've never said it before. That, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit ironic. The priest drinking wine and then asking the kids to take the pledge. Only in Ireland, says Lisa. Well, you know the religious side of that and we're taught to believe that there's a trend. Well, I get your point. I get your point. I didn't take the pledge back at my confirmation in the 90s. I couldn't be sure I'd stick to it. But I'm not even a drinker now in my adulthood. A lot of people can't get into pubs now. There was a time when anyone could get in. They now drink spirits at home because many of them can't afford drink in the pubs and the clubs. Yeah. 0818 96 96 96. I was telling you all morning, I better do it because otherwise people are saying, what's he talking about? This thing, this proof of proof that we're there of uh, nothing happening quickly in this 
country, right? The, the gov- remember the attack on that little misfortunate lad Alejandro Mizan, the pit bull attack a couple of weeks ago, and we had days and days of discussions here about dangerous dogs and owning dangerous dogs, and the Taoiseach said he couldn't understand why anybody would want to own a dog like that, and, and he was saying we should go back to, to the drawing board and and all of that. That discussion went on. The the government, according to the papers today, the government is now examining how you might tighten up the law on dangerous dogs. You know, they'll, what, what would we do? Would we change the law? <laughs> the, minister, the Minister for Agriculture, Carly McConnell is leading this. You'd think dogs, animals, Minister for Agriculture, right? Okay, so he is leading it. But he has to talk to Heather Humphreys, the Minister for Social Protection, Rural and Community Development. Why? Because she's responsible for the Control of Dogs Act. And he also has to talk to the Minister for Housing, Local Government, Darren O'Brien. Because his department oversees local authorities who are responsible for the policing and enforcing of dog laws. So dog controls are... Animal controls are the Department of Agriculture. Control of dogs is Department of Rural Development. And the administration of the law is the three government ministers, three different departments, on one change in the law on whether or not you can have a pit bull. Is it any wonder that nothing works quickly? Three government departments involved in whether or not you can keep a pit bull as a pet. The pantos are open all over the place and people have been working on pantos right, left and centre, day and night since September. What about a panto where you start working like five minutes before you go on stage and you look who's in the audience and you make it up as you go along and 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 and, and you're doing it now for how many years, Laura? Oh gosh, we're uh, we, we're hitting the ten year mark now. At this stage, we uh, we've taken a two year break, unfortunately, but uh, this will be our our tenth year running. Yeah, this is the improv panto. That's right. Yeah, at the other side of the opera house. That's it. No, no, it's in the main stage. Is so, it in the main yeah, stage? Yeah, yeah. The half moon closed down several years ago now. So, yeah, we're we're playing with the big boys now. Whoa! And yeah. you pack it out? Yeah, we've six or seven hundred in tomorrow night now on Saturday night. So that should be the the aim for the rest so of the run. Is there even a working title to this? Uh, well, there is once the show starts. Um, so at the moment, it's just called the Improv Panto. But when the audience arrive in, they see a projector or a screen with nine different panto titles. So you've all your usuals. You've Cinderella, you've Sleeping Beauty, Jack and the Beanstalk, you know, all of those all those titles. And the audience get to shout out which one they'd like. So majority rules. Um, so if they all shout for Red Riding Hood, that's what we do. Uh, there's five actors in the show. We all have a number, number one to five. We're standing there in our theatre blacks and they get to shout out which character they'd like us to play just based off what we look like on first really? appearance. Yeah. Wow. So for example, tomorrow night now I could be I could be Beauty in Beauty and the Beast, or I could be the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, or I could be the Huntsman or 
whatever other characters and, and, in the and show. have you had to learn all these parts classical <laughs> parts or again is that the case of well that's kind of that's part of the crack of it because panto is just such a chaotic forum you know it's just as a as a as a genre it's it's pretty crazy and and whether it's an adult panto or a, or a kids panto it all hangs off the fairy tale the structure yeah. of a fairy tale you know we know that if we're doing Jack and the Beanstalk, you know, we can talk about topical things like property and the rental crisis and poor Jack and the mam are being kicked out, you know, and ultimately Jack needs to sell the cow and there, you know, so there's always different plot points mm. we have to hit. So in a way we have a structure, but how we get there or how we do it, I mean, we could sell the cow in the English market if we wanted to, it you doesn't, could. you know, or we could head off to... This is not for the smallies, though. Absolutely not. No, it starts at 10.30 at night. So Don't mind that. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it can be a bit cheeky. It can be a bit cheeky. Um... We don't intend to go that route, but by its nature, you know, we're... But, but, but by half ten, some of your audience might have had a few scoops like. Absolutely, yeah, that's the goal, I think. Uh, you You're know, hoping the, that? Absolutely, yeah, we're much funnier with a few with a few points in you. We're definitely much funnier. And ten years ago, it just... Whose idea yeah, was it first? It was it was mine. Um, of all, yeah, I was I used to work in the opera in a marketing capacity, right. and I used to promote the panto, the, the, the real panto, as I call it. And I used to just sit there watching it going, God, this is bonkers. You know, people love mm. it so much. And originally, I'm from Clare, and we didn't have panto as such when growing up or that. Um, so it was just such a unique. It's it's very like obviously it's in Dublin and that, but it's it's such an institution in Cork. Mm. You know, even now, you know, my I've, poor Clare had much in Clare. Ah, sure, God love us. We were dragged <laughs> up, like you know. But uh, I just said, God, you know, this is mad. I said I could make this up, like you know. And uh, Mary Hickson at the time said, Go on, so challenge accepted. She didn't. So yeah, so she gave me a couple of weeks in the half moon. They had nothing on and we said let's go for it and see so you're there in the stage going okay what, yeah. what, what, what have I done basically yeah and it's just evolved and grown and it's just gathered momentum we have like thousands of people coming every year now seven um, nights this year seven nights this year yeah so we do the key the key Christmas nights for it's, it's a huge hit with Christmas parties and, mm. and groups you know they just love it's it's you know it's it's the girls getting getting together having a few drinks going for a meal beforehand and coming in and just laughing their socks off hopefully um, is it Risky to sit in the front row? No, it's not. And I, I this is because this comes because I know a lot of people associate improv and things with, oh, I, I don't want them including me now or dragging me up on stage. Well, no, no, because my, 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 my missus is, is going along with her mate one of the yeah. nights, I'm not sure which night. And I said to her, you could be in trouble in the front row. So, no, I demand to be entertained. I don't want to be part of the entertainment. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm like that, though, as in, I, like, obviously I'm on stage, but when I'm sitting in the audience, I hate that. I hate the thoughts. Absolutely. Uh, years ago, I was at a Darrow Breen gig and I made the mistake of sitting in the front. <gasps> And he absolutely annihilated me. He's brilliant at that. Uh, oh, he's God. wonderful, but I've never gotten over the trauma of it. So I just, I wouldn't do that to anyone. Now, obviously, if people start heckling us and whatever, we'll put them back in their place, you know, which I'm sometimes sure happens. Well, you do that on the stairs here in 96 FM, Laura, so we know that, you know. So it opens when? It opens... We're opening tomorrow, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yeah. And are there tickets available? There are. Yeah, we're selling really well, but obviously there's uh, it's, a, it's a big room to fill, so we've we've a few left. Um, we're doing this weekend, next weekend, and then the, the Christmas week as well. All right, well, good luck with it. Ten years on the road after and back after two years. You Absolutely. missed it. Oh God, we're buzzing to get back. The excitement is is very real. Fantastic. That's Laura from the Sales Department at ninety six FM and a cast of what four? There's five of us and a live musician as well. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say thousands, yeah. but you make it look like that. Absolutely, we're villagers. You name it, we we are all sorts. Yeah, I can be. All right, enjoy. And now, as they say, break a leg. Thanks, PJ. Take care. The Improv Panto opening at the Opera House, half ten tomorrow night on the main stage. Crazy is all it 
you can describe it as mad. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, people keep coming back to us about these changes that the council is making to... Uh, roads and traffic and cycle lanes and active transport and bus connects and all of this and a lot of people just not happy at all. Oh, I should tell you by the way, sorry, the Improv Panto Corks ninety six am proud media partners of that at uh, at the at the Opera House. Almost forgot to mention that. Yeah, the city council have ruined our city. You have ruined our life. They have ruined our city. They put in bike lanes that aren't being used. They've widened footpaths in such a way that people in wheelchairs still can't go in a straight line. They're weaving in and out. Have a look at McCurtain Street, for example. The path goes in and out and in and out. And there's no sense to it at all. The traffic lights aren't sequenced properly. And especially at peak times, there's an unexpected surge in traffic. It's absolute chaos. And with McCurtain Street, take add into that... The fact that there's a bus actually stopping right in the middle of McCurtain Street every hour or so. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. Eminem beat Taylor Swift in music videos. This is according to Vivo. Eminem, who turned 50 this year and released a second greatest hits album, had 76 million views of his videos. You would have thought that Taylor Swift, who at one point this year, I think, had four songs in the top ten, she had 56, 64, sorry, 64 million views. uh, And she brought out her new album in October. So the old guys are still cutting it up with the new stars. Eminem, 76 million views of his videos during 2022 versus Taylor Smith. Taylor Swift, Swift, who had 64. There's something you didn't know this morning. That's it for today. Program edited by Fergal Barry, produced and researched by Richard Vickery. See you tomorrow, just after nine. PJ Coogan on the Opinion Line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Cork's 96 FM.